Hey y'all, welcome to The Podluck, serving up bite-sized tastes of the best theology. I'm your host, Megan Westra. Grab a plate and let's dig in. And I appreciate your patience with me. I uh, I am writing a book. I don't know if I've mentioned that in any previous episodes, but I am writing a book. Uh, it's due out next year. Right now, I think the scheduled release date is for August or September of 2020. And I got my first round of edits back um, back in the end of September. And it, I didn't know this prior to writing a book, uh, but first round of edits is like no joke. It's like some serious soul wrenching, gut checking kind of work. So I have been under a pile of manuscript edits, reread my first draft of my manuscript three or four different times trying to make changes and uh, like significant shifts in like chapter structures and things like that. So all of that to say, I really appreciate uh, your patience with me the past couple weeks uh, when there was no new episode. It was because I was under a pile of paperwork questioning my own existence. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, and then this past week, I was in Dallas, Texas at the CCDA conference um, so got to hang out down there, got to record a episode that will release next week, um, of the podluck. So we should be back on normal schedule. And I appreciate those of you who reached out, um, via email, via Twitter, um, to check in and be like, Hey, is everything okay? Um, and we're back. So just briefly, um, as, is our kind of normal flow of things. Uh, reading a couple reviews out here from Apple Podcasts, um, Jake1459 says, Normally I'm one who likes our plus conversation on theology and philosophy, but these bite-sized bits are the perfect things for meal prep or a shower while also being wonderfully informative and... If the first guest is indicative of the rest, amazing interviews. Also follow Megan Wester on Twitter. She's great. Uh, so thanks, Jake1459, uh, for uh, promoting not only my podcast, but my Twitter feed. Um, and then Travis Bluefield, uh, Pastor Travis there in my hometown of Bluefield, West Virginia, says this podcast does a great job of taking complex issues and making them easy to understand. Most people turn simple things into complex, but it takes a real genius to do the reverse, especially in a short context. Great job of showing multiple sides of an issue and leaving the listener with the latitude to draw their own conclusions. So thank you to Travis and to Jake for leaving a review. Uh, if you also would like to leave a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, that's awesome. And it helps the podluck be more visible to other people. So thanks to everyone who's taken the time to do that. Today, I am super excited to introduce to you our guest for this week. Uh, Kathy Kong is dishing it up with us here at the Podluck this week. Kathy is the mother of three, the wife of one, um, and she really loves Jesus and really likes yoga and deep breaths. Kathy is a writer, speaker, coffee drinker, and yoga teacher. She's the author of Raise Your Voice, Why We Stay Silent and How to Speak Up. 
Uh, it came out on InterVarsity Press, I think it was last year. I read the book when it came out, and it's fantastic, y'all. Very practical uh, and insightful, especially as we grapple with questions of, like the t- subtitle says, like why we stay silent and how to speak up. I know in my own life, I have had uh, a few rocky starts to say it uh, politely in terms of how to speak up well when there's things that uh, kind of prick my conscience or or my heart, uh, which right now, let's be honest, there's a lot of those things that we all are just kind of scratching our heads and saying, what the heck is even going on? And how do we speak up about it? When is it our place to speak up? And how do we do that well? Because let's also be honest, there's ways to speak up. Uh, about things that matter, about things that, uh, you know, either have ethical or moral implications or justice implications. Uh, There's ways to speak up that are good and drive the conversation forward. And there's ways to speak up that are harmful or paternalistic or are degrading, uh, whether intentionally or not. And so Kathy Yee's book is so helpful in guiding uh, the way that we think about that, but also basing it in, in Christian witness solidly is speaking up as a way of, of faithful, faithfulness in our, our life uh, with Christ. So make sure you pick that up, or there's an audio book of it too. If you are a all audio content all the time kind of person, uh, you can also get Raise Your Voice as an audio book. Um, so today I'm speaking with Kathy and tossing the question to her here around this podluck table. What does it mean to be saved? So Grab a plate and let's dig in. Oh goodness! I, I when I saw that question, I thought, I, "Do you really want me to talk about that?" Um, I am in the process of honestly figuring in, figuring that out. When I was growing up in the church, uh, being saved really meant having the golden ticket to go to heaven. And that also meant every time there was an opportunity to uh, make sure I had that ticket, I would take the ticket. So, you know, growing up in church, altar calls and things like that, every time there was an altar call, it was like taking out insurance, (laughs) make sure that I had uh, said the prayer right and checked all the boxes. And that's what it meant to be saved. And I also realized that as my kids were in their kind of Sunday school youth group days, um, that they had adopted that similar theology of what it means to be saved. Um, Growing up, going to like church camp was not part of my culture. It wasn't a part of my upbringing. Our church would go on retreats. And so that's when I would do the altar call. But um, here in the suburbs, um, there were groups of kids that would go to like church camp every summer with just like it was church camp for the kids, Christian camp, again, 
I had not grown up with that. So we, our daughter went a couple times and then I would ask her and I realized after like the second summer, oh, she's doing the same thing that I'm doing. She is saying yes every time, just in case it didn't stick. Um, so I am wrestling with that, with that, what that terminology means. I think at the heart, it isn't so much about making sure I've checked the boxes so that I can go to heaven. It is about making sure that I am living a life on earth that is as close to what I imagine and I'm told and I read in scripture of what being in heaven is supposed to look like. So it's that prayer less about my sins and the cross, believe it or not. Um, but when Jesus says, um, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then I think give us this day, our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's what I think about as being saved. It isn't the, what am I scared or worried about that will happen to me after I die? It is how does my life reflect that transformation that's ongoing Um, but I wonder about that because I, you know, honestly, in the last few years, I have felt like my faith has been upended and pressed. And I look back at the harder questions that I had, even in the last 10, 20 years about, do I really believe this? Do I really believe all of this and that the key is Jesus. So I keep coming back to that. Yes, I do believe that the key is Jesus. Yes, I believe in this. I think where my doubt and the questions around what being saved is, is that I see very generous, loving, faithful people who are living very transformed lives, who are transforming the world, who don't yet know Jesus or don't know Jesus in the way that I understand their language. Maybe that's it too, is that I've grown up in the church. And so I speak this kind of insider language and I don't know. I don't know. Um, And I wonder what it means to be saved in light of a family that, you know, we raised our three kids going to church, but they are now all older. And so the idea of forcing them to come somewhere, maybe outside of family functions, (laughs) they are required to go to family functions. But our youngest, who's the last one home and he's a senior in high school, we actually don't force him make him come. And so he's opted not to. And so I'll be honest, Megan, there have been times where I've wondered, like, did we 
do the right thing? Have we laid the foundation correctly? Um, my two older children don't attend church regularly. And, uh, and so kind of, again, as a parent who grew up in the church, what does it mean to be saved? I think part of it is to always wonder, are you saved and are my children <laughs> saved? And trying to kind of undo that fear. Um, because again, knowing I, for the most part, most days sit pretty firmly in my salvation that I have to live not out of fear. I can't live out of the fear that somehow my kids don't know Jesus. I can't live out of fear that, you know, they're going to go to hell. And so everything I need to do is to remind them to avoid hell. Um, so I, you know, I think that's what it means to be, be saved. I think, I really do think it is wrestling with how are we living here on earth? How are we relating to people? How are we re relating to systems? How are we relating to the earth? Um, and are we bringing about God's kingdom on earth? And yes, we have to do the work of kind of thinking through all of the baggage and the weight around the language of kingdom. But I also think that there is a way to look at that in what, in a way that is not um, rooted in exploitation and, um, and power. I think I stretch that. I try to stretch my imagination around kingdom into something that is outside of kind of earthly systems. So in that, what does it mean to live, to bring about God's will and purposes here on earth as they will be in heaven? So I think that's what it means to be saved. I hope, I guess we'll find out sooner or later. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's so much to that and to learning to live without the fear and to embrace the here and now, the embodiment of salvation. I'm wondering if you could talk maybe a little bit more about your experience as a yoga teacher and how has your practice uh, informed or reframed or helped you come to different understandings Um as far as the ways that you think about the kingdom of God or about salvation or your participation in, uh, in salvation and in the kingdom of God. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you and I were just at this conference together and, uh, when I was told that I had seven minutes before the actual panel would start, I thought, Oh, what, I mean, what can you possibly say in seven minutes? And I knew, um, especially in the last year or so, I've been trying to spend any time that I'm given to uh, help people be aware of their bodies. And in part, because one of the things in a yoga practice you hear is you're encouraged to breathe. And in certain types of yoga, you are encouraged to breathe loudly so that you can hear your breath and that your neighbor can hear your breath. And the idea behind that is that you are actually um, sharing your breath. You're sharing your energy with the other people who have shown up on their mats and shown up into the practice. 
And I think that that is definitely one of those um, uh, shifts that I've been making over the last 10 years is to try to figure out why that model of individualistic personal salvation has been so harmful to me and my family, to my immediate family and my family of origin, in specifically because as a Korean-American family and Korean-American immigrants, our system of family and our cultural values are communal, and they place value over the us and the we, primary over the I and the me. And then growing up here in the U.S., there's that constant battle, even now, between my parents and myself of the you're a part of the family, you are not independent. And how hard that is for me as a 49-year-old woman who has grown children to feel that how somehow I am uh, bound to my parents, that they want to know how I'm making decisions or what decision I'm in the process of making. And that's not, that's so not U.S., Centric. That's not how you do things here in the U.S. And yet I feel like that was the point of cultural tension growing up and continues to be even now. And yet isn't that what it means to be the body of Christ, that if one part of the body is hurting and is in pain, the rest of the body hurts and is in pain. And it's not the same, but it's impacted. And so again, going back to my yoga practice, it is just like you, you know, you go when you notice something is wrong in your body to realign it requires you to kind of take yourself outside of your normal day to day. And it is nice to kind of know that your little space, your little mat, that's going to be that place where you're going to work it out. But then you work it out in community. You're with other people in that space. And they're working out their own things too. And in that way, as you're breathing and you're moving together, um, there is something really beautiful and important being worked out. And I am trying to think of creative ways in which I can do that um, when I am invited into spaces to speak because it's not musical, right? So I think musical worship is important um, and is part of that communal process. But again, that, that idea of what does it mean to be saved um, how does it how does it look for me to live a life that is in transformation and be inviting enough to bring other people into that transformation? And I think honestly, that is what yoga and I think what other fitness um, spaces do. So yoga is fitness, you know that I have a problem with, but I think that there is that kind of transformation that's happening, and I think, one industry that has tapped into that is the fitness industry. And when people come together, there is that kind of communal space to work it out. And I really, when I think, what does it mean to be saved? I also think, what does it mean to be a church of people who are saved and being saved 
and in transformation, can we be that kind of space? Um, I was a little late getting back home today because I was teaching this morning. Um, and I was late because we were talking after class about the things in our bodies we were trying to work out or the different things different people are doing to bring their bodies back to where they need to be. And I just keep thinking, um, how, how can we bring our bodies and our spirits back together? Because that's the other part of being saved. It's not just guaranteeing that my soul goes to heaven, but what, what does it mean for my soul to be in this body on this earth at this time? Does that matter? And I believe to God it matters because our idea of being the body is to gather and sit for an hour on Sunday. And when I see what Jesus did, it was, yeah, he sat, but he was also walking and traveling from place to place. And people traveled to hear him and to be in his presence. And then when they were, he often was very aware of what the physical needs were, right? So feeding of the 3,000 and the 5,000, um, healing the woman um, who was bleeding, um, raising people from the dead, uh, casting out demons. There's this active part in his ministry that involves the body. And I, I don't see that. Um, the most I see is the part that I hate, which is like the greeting in church, like greet your neighbor, find somebody you never said hello to, or someone who's not familiar. And it's just this really awkward and painful time. And I'm not even an introvert. So folks listening, take that with a grain of salt. I'm an extrovert and I find the passing of the peace or the greeting time really awkward. Um, mainly because you kind of know that at some point someone's going to interrupt with uh, announcements or a song. So there's really never any time for anyone to kind of get comfortable to leave that physical space of the seat that you picked and the pew that you always sit in or the chair or the section. Um, and some churches are so big that you actually can't do that. Like you can't move around in an auditorium and be able to find your way back easily, even the way our buildings are set up, I think, becomes so restrictive and makes me question, is it worth being saved? Does that, is like, is that what it means to live out my saved life, to sit around? I think I'll take a pass on that. <laughs> but I do miss, I do miss the body. I do miss church. We have not been, um, regularly attending a single church for a, about two years now. And that's been hard. I think the first six months were fine because we just were hurting and angry. And, and now we're definitely at that place where we're, we're missing that. Um, we're missing the consistency, uh, like having a consistent regular yoga practice, right? I think there's something that in my soul and body craves that, that rhythm, and that practice. Uh, but then we go and there is something that is so jarring and not, uh, it, it, 
I don't know how else to put it except that it doesn't feel right. There's just something that is so disruptive physically, spiritually doesn't sit right. Um, and so we then make ourselves go back much like when you're sore after a workout, you go, okay, it's important to go back because I will feel better after that. But I think that there is something to that, that, you know, I do want listeners to know for me, the leaving of being a regular member or regular attender of a church has not come without lots of thought and pain and now a desire to find community again. I appreciate that. And I think a lot of listeners will as well. And also just this idea, I so appreciate that you just said, it just doesn't feel right. And I, I resonate with that. And not really being able to wrap other words around things other than like, oh, my large intestine would beg to differ with that. Like that just doesn't hit me right. Um, But that doesn't always play well when you're trying to like write a paper or defend something online or, you know, spell out the specific reasons why you're uncomfortable with something. But it's just like, it just doesn't, it doesn't land well. Um, Like going back to yoga, sometimes I'll say, you know, notice your breath, notice the depth, notice the taste, texture, and origin of your breath. And I remember hearing that as a student for the first time thinking, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to notice the taste or texture or origin of my breath, but I know the words. And so I think sometimes in the conversations, even like this, when we're talking about what does it mean to be saved? Like we know the words, we just don't know how to, we don't know the feelings. And then we inversely don't know how to put words to those feelings. And so, yeah, it's the, it doesn't feel right, but I go because there is a craving for something that I know is there and is possible. And it doesn't feel so unright or so bad that it is bad for me. And I do recognize fully that for some, going to church right now is bad for you. It is bad for you. And going to the wrong church is going to be bad for you. Or hearing a sermon about any number of the things going on in this world can be extremely painful. And so healing, unfortunately, does not always happen in the context of the church. And again, that's why I really wrestle with that question you posed, what does it mean to be saved, if it isn't in the space of the body of Christ that we can find full healing, right? That when we gather on Sundays or Wednesday nights or whenever we're gathering, that that isn't the place where you can come and be completely broken and be okay as opposed to going, feeling broken, and then leaving more broken. Um, And not in the way in which the spirit is trying to loosen something that needs to be loosened, but like, like you're broken. Like that pain was just made worse in a way that it did not need to, simply just to elicit more pain. And that makes me sad. That makes me sad. I am so thankful for our guest this week, Kathy Kong, and the ways that she has uh, 
talked about what salvation means to her, how she's wrestling with that, uh, how she has questions about that still, um, and for the ways that her faith and the way that she holds that and thinks about that is have been informed by uh, her yoga practice. You know, prior to being in ministry, prior to going to seminary, my background is in sports medicine. And so I really resonated with some of the ways that she was talking about like breath and muscle. And I think there's so much about our physical bodies that can help us understand and think in newer creative ways about the body of Christ and what it means to be Christ's body together. This has been The Podluck. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. To support The Podluck, please visit our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to a Slack channel to join the discussion and talk about how you're wrestling with the idea of what it means to be saved or to be part of the body of Christ. To join the conversation online, use at Podluck Podcast on Twitter or at the Podluck Podcast on Instagram. Um, please leave a rating or a review as this helps the Podluck be more visible to other people. So whatever platform you are listening on, um, just take a second to uh, drop a review or leave a rating. Like I did at the top of this episode, I'll take some time to read a review or two um, at the beginning of the next episode. So thanks again for tuning in. This has been The Podluck, and I'm your host, Megan Westra. Tune in next time uh, as we hear from another guest as we dig into the question, what does it mean to be saved?